Hi, I'm Pastor Jeremy, and welcome to the preaching ministry of Nest Baptist, where we seek to equip people to love God and love others. So whether you are a longtime follower of Jesus, or you're exploring what faith in Him might look like, we're glad you're here. It is our prayer that through our sermons, you might better understand who God is, what He has done for you, and what that means for your life. May all of this lead to the worship of God and be for His glory. Good morning, Ness. I ask you to please stand for the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> I'll be reading from the English Standard Version from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone from us, for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, <clears throat> they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The word of the Lord. Well, thank you, Tim and, and Jairo, for ministering to us this morning in the word and in prayer. It's good to be reminded about joy on a morning like this. You know, we've just walked through Holy Week, and during our Good Friday service, we had a solemn remembrance and a declaration of what Christ walked through and what that cost him. And we left off with Jesus in the tomb, and this morning we celebrate in the fact that Jesus, unlike every other prophet, unlike every other founder of a religion, is not dead today. When I was a kid, the joy of Easter came in the form of chocolate. You know, those Easter egg hunts, they were the stuff of legends. At Halloween, you had to dress up in a lame costume and go outside when it was usually snowing and freezing. But at Easter, you didn't even have to leave the house. And typically, if you're like us, you know, you put out like a hundred of those cheap little chocolate balls wrapped in shiny silver wrappers just to get them off the trail of where the true treasure lies, the giant chocolate bunny. And when you found that, it was game over. I mean, you didn't even bother finding the rest of those nasty little chocolate balls. And that's just the start of it. You know, in reality, we're actually all on a treasure hunt, aren't we? And we scour this earth. We scour it for little treasures, shiny delights that we think are going to give us everlasting joy. Things that we believe will be the things that lead to peace. We're all searching the earth. We're looking for that thing that will lead to peace. We pour more time into this than almost anything else. And the world has taught us to believe that the ultimate prize at the end is maybe the right job, the right relationship, the right amount of money, the right amount of power, hopefully finally retirement, to finish work, to sit back, 
and really start indulging in ourselves. No more work, no more responsibilities. Travel, get hobbies, do what we want. You know, in reality, it's not that simple. And for most people that we talk to, it's not that giant chocolate Easter bunny at the end of the treasure hunt that we want it to be. Because treasures of this world, they always leave you wanting more. They're like a sign. They're like a signpost that says, here you will find treasure, but it never really satisfies. But yet it points to something that does satisfy. The fact that we're looking for it, that we desire it, that we want it, I think it shows us something. We desire treasures that will not fade or rust or break or be stolen. And so we must pay very careful attention to Easter. Very careful attention. You see, if we miss the significance of the resurrection, we miss the significance of the greatest joy in the universe, the only true peace. You know, when Jesus was riding into the city of Jerusalem last week, we talked about how he looked over it and he wept. And he said, would you, even you, know the things that make for peace? You see, they thought they did, but they were wrong. But in the resurrection of Jesus, we see the things that make for peace, the thing that makes for joy. See, the peace that you find in this world, it's so frail in comparison. Sickness and poverty, they hamper peace. The long process of aging and dying, it can strip life of all of its worth, all of its worldly pleasures. Death will end all of our joys except one. There is one joy that cannot be, be defeated by death because only one joy was purchased through death. Consider this. The empty tomb validates every claim that Jesus ever made. It validates every single claim that Jesus ever made. You see, Jesus said three times that he would die and he would be raised to life on the third day. And it happened. And because it did, every other thing he said, every other thing that he taught and that he did was validated. It is truth and you and I can throw our lives into it. It is the only reason that you have hope. It's the only thing that can bring you everlasting peace and true joy. You'll have noticed from our reading in Mark that the women were the first ones to witness the evidence of the resurrection. And it says that they fled, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they were afraid. And this is the kind of fear that we all must have before God. You see, this isn't the fear for their lives. This is a wonder and amazement and the reality that Jesus really is God, and that brought on a trembling and an astonishment, and it seized them, and they were afraid. This is God. There is no rational explanation of what has happened. They're stunned. Matthew adds in chapter 28, verse 8, in his account, that they departed quickly with fear and great joy. Two words that we may not usually use together, fear and great joy. Have you ever used those two words in the same sentence? Both words fit so perfectly together in God's economy. And so the women's fear is melting into joy, and it all begins to come clear. You see, the resurrection has been established as a fact of history, as a fact of theology. It is the reason that Jesus came. It is the most important event in the history of the world. 
It is the most important event in your life and in mine because by his resurrection, we are justified and we will live forever. This death and resurrection has made peace possible. The fact that the tomb was empty, it validated everything that Jesus said. Now this is real joy because it was the moment that all of your shame, all of your sin, and all of your shortcomings, all of your past, all of your present, and all of your future mistakes, everything that condemned you before has now been forgiven if you believe. 1 Peter 2.24 gives us this truth when it says, He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By His wounds you are healed. This is joy. And how do you come to know this personally? How do you receive this gift of grace? Well, Romans 10.9 tells us that if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. See, the Old Testament told us that this joy was going to come. It was anticipating it. And the birth of Christ had announced this joy. You see, Holy Week or the Passion Week seemed to extinguish this joy. But the resurrection of Christ showed that God's plans are never thwarted. That this death was in fact God's plan. That, God, that God's joy emerged from incredible hostility, opposition, suffering, and even death. And this joy will continue for all eternity. Therefore, Christ's resurrection not only gives you hope for the future, but it gives you your hope to be able to handle your now. Have you ever let someone down? Or worse, have you ever treated someone far worse than they deserved? Maybe you didn't know it at the time, but later you realized it. And you felt horrible about what you've done. And then to your amazement, you find out that they haven't spoken about it to anyone. They haven't badmouthed you. They haven't plotted any revenge. And they go out of their way to be kind to you and to help you and treat you as though you had never done anything wrong. What would you call this? Well, you'd call it mercy. And it's the one of the most amazing things in the world. If you've experienced this on a personal level, you will know. And that's what Jesus did. You see, they all deserted him in his greatest hour of need. And he said to them, he said, After I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. I will be your savior and your leader and your God after you have deserted me. Well, that's what Jesus did for them. And that is what he does for everyone who comes to him for forgiveness and repentance. In repentance. You may have spent a lifetime deserting him, or betraying him, or denying him. But if you will come to him, he says to you this morning, I will be your sovereign, merciful Savior and Lord. I will be everything that you need. Though you have deserted me many times, I will go before you to where you were going, and I will meet you there. Isn't that shocking? I mean, isn't that life-changing? Isn't that the perfect definition of mercy? This is what brings you true and lasting joy. Powerful, personal, and merciful. This is the risen Christ. But here's the true news. 
Not everyone finds this joy. Not everyone gets this peace. And if you were with us on Christmas Eve, you will have remembered the scene. The angels, they appear to the shepherds, and the angel says, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to whom his mercy rests. You see, that peace that the angel announced was peace for those who would accept this message, who believe that Jesus' death was in their place, those who understand their sin, their inability, and their belief that Jesus came to die the death so that they wouldn't have to. That's who this peace was announced for. But it wasn't just that he would die. He would also have to rise again to show that he had conquered death, that he had secured the victory over evil and death, so that we as his followers could also have his victory that he won on our behalf. It's grace. We don't deserve it. We don't do anything to get it. But it's yours if you want it. Not everyone does believe it. Not everyone will accept it. Some will scoff at it. Some will think that they don't need it. Some won't believe that Jesus even did it. You see, there's no promised peace or joy for those. These are the ones who Jesus wept over as he looked over the city of Jerusalem just one week ago. And he said, would you, even you, would you know the things that make for peace? So this morning, have you accepted this gift of grace? Have you received it as those who were baptized this morning have? It's not too late. You see, there's no one who is beyond saving. And the time is now. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And this is a rest from now, a rest from your strivings, and perfect peace and rest and joy for all eternity. All yours, because the tomb is empty. He is risen, and he is at the right hand of the Father, assuring us of our forgiveness and salvation. We have joy and we have peace because the tomb is empty and Christ is risen. Would you know that this morning? Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful that we can come to celebrate. We're so grateful that we can remember this. We remember it weekly and on this day when we remember it specifically and in new ways. Father, may we be struck by the grace and the mercy that we have in Jesus Christ the one who is able to provide us with true joy and peace. A peace that is for all of eternity, but also a peace that is for the here and now to help us in our greatest time of need, which is this time that is before us here on this earth. Thank you that we have both in Christ. And so God, I thank you that we could witness together this morning those whose lives have been changed by this truth, that we could celebrate as a community of those who have had their lives changed as this truth, and that we may be able to share that true joy and peace with the community that is around us and even those who are here this morning. So we thank you for this message and we ask for your Holy Spirit to be at work in our hearts, assuring us of this if we have already received it and convicting us of it if we yet still need to embrace it. Thank you for Jesus and we thank you for his resurrection. In Christ's name, amen. <laughs>